grace to you in peace on this Easter morning, the most holy of days in the Christian calendar. As we gather in worship, I invite you to do what we always do, which is to stop and take about three deep breaths that our awareness might expand so that we recognize the presence of the living spirit with us. Friends, let us worship God in beloved community. I invite you now to join Jeff in the call to worship. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Yet still we wait to see him. Hallelujah. Christ has come out from the tomb. Yet it is not yet safe for us to come out. Hallelujah. Christ is on the move again, yet we must wait for Christ to come find us. Will you please join us in singing our hymn, Jesus Christ is Risen Today. again happy easter he is risen he is risen indeed and wherever you are if you're in marin somewhere else not even remotely close to us then welcome because this is a different way of doing this we want to encourage you to embrace it if you're watching via facebook or youtube Feel free to comment, like, or whatever during the service. Uh, we know when we're together in body, we oftentimes whisper, nudge, wave, talk to one another. So we can do that virtually here. Also, if you'd like to know more about Westminster, you can peruse our website, wpctiburon.org, contact one of the staff, or even chat with some of our church who are, you, who are watching this with you now. Now, would you join me in our community prayer? Gracious one, in Christ we have already been raised to new life. Already trans in Christ we have already transgressed the laws of death and entered into a realm of eternity and life. 
Forgive us for when we are dragged into the pit of hatred, bigotry, and prejudice. Forgive us for feasting upon greed, envy, and wastefulness. Let us set our sights on higher things, that we might be free to be about better things. Roll away the stones of our own tombs, that we might be raised to new life, here and now. Amen. Our prayers continue in silence. Ever-present God, you walk with us through good times and bad, mountain top and valley deep. Your footsteps are our guide, your hands are our support. We trust in your forgiveness that you have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We have knocked and are grateful that you opened the door. Maybe more than ever on this Easter weekend, we celebrate an empty tomb and life conquering death. Open our hearts and minds to your spirit. Amen. And now I'd like to invite our children who are worshiping with us to come closer to the screen for a time of discovery with Bethany. So for our time of discovery this morning, I have a special friend with me, Grover. And I wanted to share just a little bit about this book with you. It's called The Monster at the End of the Book. And at the beginning of the book, Grover is very excited to see what's happening in the story. But then he realizes, wait a minute, what did that say? There's a monster at the end of the book? All of a sudden, he's starting to feel a little nervous, maybe a little anxious. He says, I'm, I'm a little scared of monsters. I don't know. Um, he's, and then he says, oh, shh, maybe if we don't turn any pages, then we'll never have to encounter that monster. So then Grover starts to wonder, hmm, how can I keep them from turning the page? Maybe if I tie up the pages with a bunch of ropes, maybe we won't keep turning the pages. But no, the pages keep turning. You turned another page. So then he thinks, oh, I know. If I nail the pages shut with wooden nails, maybe that'll stop. But we keep turning pages, and Grover keeps getting more and more anxious, more and more nervous. Then he decides, well, maybe if I build a brick wall, maybe that'll stop us from turning the page, because he's anxious, he's nervous about this monster at the end of the book. But the pages keep turning. Oh, no, says Grover, I'm scared. Please, 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 we can't get to the end of the book. There's a monster there. But then what happens at the end, we get to the end of the book, and Grover realizes, wait a minute. Who's at the end of the book? It's me! It's not a scary monster. It's a very cute, lovable monster. Me! I was thinking about this book as I was thinking about Easter morning. You know, I imagine those first people to visit Jesus' tomb that early in the morning, they were probably anxious, nervous, a little afraid, maybe a lot afraid. They weren't really sure what they were going to find at the end of their walk as they arrived at the tomb. Just like Grover, they were anxious, they were nervous. And then even when they got to the tomb and they found that the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty, I'm sure all kinds of emotions were flooding their hearts and their minds. Some were probably nervous, some were afraid. As they started to realize what had happened, maybe they got some excitement, some joy, but there was so much happening that Easter morning. Kind of like there's a lot happening today on this Easter morning. You know, I'm used to only feeling joy on Easter as we gather at church to celebrate. And some of you often dress up in your finest Easter clothes and we sing Alleluia and it's wonderful. But this day's different. And I have all kinds of emotions inside me, kind of like Grover, kind of like those disciples that very first Easter morning. I'm a little scared. I'm a little anxious. Here I am worshiping at my house. It's strange. It's different. And yet I am also so joyful because it is Easter, and we are celebrating. Jesus has risen, and we are shouting our hallelujahs. And I'm reminded through it all that the real message of Easter is that God is with us always. God is with us when we're anxious, when we're nervous, when we're worried, when we're joyful, when we're grateful. That is the good news of Easter. God is with us through it all, and nothing, thank you God, nothing will separate us from God's love. So I hope we can remember that whatever we may be experiencing this particular Easter morning, 
that the good news of Easter is God loves us and God is with us always. Amen. I want to remind you that there is an Easter sacred story posted both on our Facebook page and on our website. So if you want to hear the Easter story through the sacred story, you're welcome to check that out. And as we move to our time of prayer, our time of joys and concerns, we move to that remembering all of those emotions that we are feeling this Easter morning. I do invite you to write in the comments your prayer joys and your prayer concerns. We read those throughout the week and we are in prayer for you and with you. Everything that you have posted on the page, everything that you have emailed us, we are in prayer together. So certainly post those. And then I'd like to, us, for us to join in prayer together. There are a few moments of quiet where you'll be invited to just offer the prayers in the silence of your own hearts. Or if you're at home, you can offer them out loud. Certainly God is listening. So let us be in prayer together. Loving God, in this past week, this past holy week, through Jesus' last supper, through his death on the cross, we witnessed your gift of hope and love sometimes being rejected. And in those dark moments, O oh God, we recognized the darkness that can sometimes consume us even now. Loneliness and grief, illness and death, hatred and oppression, injustice and inequality. Within each of these realities, O oh God, we identify our own stories of pain and loss, yes, even on this blessed Easter morning. So hear us now, O oh God, as we share these prayers of pain, loss, anxiety, grief, as we share them with you. On this Easter day, O oh God, you have rolled away the stone. Your light has pierced the darkness of the tomb. This day, the hope of Jesus has emerged even stronger than before. This day, Christ's resurrection gives us hope that nothing is beyond the redemptive power of your love. So hear us now as we share our prayers of gratitude. Oh God, we know that many of us are still experiencing darkness in our lives. Those struggles don't simply go away in the joy of this day. But we are renewed in faith and strengthened in hope. This Easter day, we are reminded that Christ is alive and lives among us. Your real presence is here with us now. We know you and the love we share for one another, the love that binds us together even now. Praise be to you, O oh God, Christ is risen, alleluia. And hear us now, O oh God, as we share together the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One of my favorite uh, pieces for Easter, to celebrate Easter, is an African-American traditional piece, Mary, Don't You Weep. And people sometimes ask me that when I've had the choir do this as a participatory thing at Easter, why are we singing about Pharaoh? Why are we singing about coming across the Red Sea? Well, this is a, originally a slave song in the African-American tradition, and the biblical references uh, refer to rebirth and symbols of their hope for freedom and their promise for a better life to come. 
the Mary in the title of the song could very well be Mary Magdalene, but my research tells me this is Mary of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus, who was about to be resurrected. And both that story and the reference to the Israelites escaping from Pharaoh's army are metaphors for the resurrection. So that is why we sing it as part of the Easter celebration. So there's a, I've given you the words for the chorus, uh, which will be sung a few times during the uh, execution of the anthem. There's also the last two lines of the chorus get appended to every verse. So we'll sing a chorus at the outset. There'll be about three verses, and then we'll do another chorus, and then three verses verses, another chorus, you'll get the gist of it, I think, as we go along. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Sing along, please. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Well, if I could, I surely would stand on the rock where Moses stood. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Oh, Mary. Don't you weep, don't you mourn. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. The Lord told Moses what to do to lead those Hebrew children through. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. And Moses stood on the Red Sea shore, smoking the water with a two by four. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Mary, don't you weep. Don't you mourn. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Don't you mourn. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Mary wore three links of chain, and every link was Jesus' name. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Well, old Mr. Satan, he got mad. He missed the soul that he thought he had. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Now, brothers and sisters, don't you cry. There will be good times by and by. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. When I get to heaven bright and blue, I'm gonna sing in God's choir with all of you. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. But if you get there before I do, punch a hole and pull me through. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Oh, Mary. Don't you weep, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Amen. Now our first scripture reading, which is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. 
So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The second reading comes from the letter to the Colossians. The third chapter, the first four verses. Continue to listen to what the Spirit is saying to us. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Friends, this too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Our family went out on a hike this past week. Like so many of you, we're fortunate to be living near open space. And so while we have to climb a good bit, it's not that far that we have to walk before we're on a high ridgetop trail, or perhaps, as was the case on that day, in a forested valley, playing around in a still-filling creek bed. It's so good to live in a place like that. It's so good to be able to get out there, to get outside in these days. The air seems so clear lately. And in fact, the world is so heavy that we need some clear air to breathe from time to time. I don't know about you, but we've gotten to know the landscape a good bit better in our local neighborhood these past weeks as we walk the same trails again and show up in the same familiar spots. We only get in our car to get groceries, so we're very local. And it's amazing how much things start to stand out to you when you revisit them. We've gotten to know the trees, and you really start to see how different the trees are from one another. When I found myself uh, in that creek bed in that forested valley, 
while my son was scampering around in constant motion, I found myself just standing there in one place, still, and all my senses and things creating movement and sound sort of came to me, started to distinguish between bird calls. Is that, is that a kestrel or is that a hawk? Is this a, is this a crow or is this a raven? And all these things sort of come rushing to your senses. All of it just came to me as I stood there, not even moving. Well, all of it, I suppose, except for my glove, which I lost on this walk. I mean, small price to pay, but it was too late when I realized it was gone to go back and get it. I was all the way back at my house, and I had neither time nor the energy to go back and retrieve it, though I've walked the route enough that I figured I could probably find it if I'd had the chance. And so I started to wonder, will it still be there when I go back? In what shape would it be in? Would it fit, having been left out overnight in the elements? And these are the kinds of questions we're asking these days. When this is all over, what shape will it all be in? What condition will we find the world and our place in it? I have to say that uh, this way of celebrating Easter is a first for me. I'm guessing for you too. But it's really closer to the first Easter than it was to any of the other Easter's I've celebrated. It's not like on that first morning of the resurrection that they were all that they were all gathered in some religious ceremony somewhere celebrating and singing hallelujah and praising this victory, this victory of all victories over even death itself. At that moment, few had even encountered the resurrection. Few had heard of it. Most of those faithful followers were dispersed, spread out, probably frightened, perhaps even hiding out, wondering what fate would befall them after what had come to their savior. Those that did go and did see, the women, went to attend to a corpse, not to a risen Lord. And what they found first was an empty tomb, just an empty space. Bill Brown, Old Testament professor, former professor of mine, posted recently about this curious prospect of having Easter Sunday and not being able to go to church and acknowledging the disappointment of that, of not being able to physically gather together as we so often do. He pointed out the profundity of having empty churches marking the morning in which there was an empty tomb. He said, the empty tomb after all, is what marked the beginning of the resurrection. Let's linger over it this year. Let's revel in it. He described that emptiness, which may be not all that unlike this current emptiness, as life-giving. He said, by abandoning our sacred gathering places, we are not abandoning the gospel. Far from it, we are testifying what the white-robed messenger announced at, his, at the tomb. He is not here. Friends, in our absence, we are reveling that on that morning, Jesus was also absent from where he was expected to be. The eternal container of death. Now, revel might feel like a strong word for what we're doing now. What we've been experiencing doesn't feel like something worth reveling in. For some, that's real death. And we'll talk about what that looks like in a moment for different ones of us. But I want to point out something that's a little haunting as I reflect on it. As you know, I plan services well in advance, e even though I often adjust when they come closer. 
But do you know what I named this sermon months ago before the coronavirus had set in? I titled it, We Died Too. Now, I'm no fortune teller. I took the line straight from the epistle that I read to you earlier from Colossians. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, in the church, not just in Easter, but all year long, we tend to run to the resurrection, and especially this morning. But in doing so, we sometimes gloss right over and dash right past the resurrection's necessary precursor for Christ and for us, and that is death. And so just as we say we share in Christ's resurrection, we share in Christ's death. Every great tradition talks about the need to die in some form or another in order to experience true life. And this may not be what the teachers had in mind, but have we not experienced a death these past weeks? For some, that death has been all too physical, literal, and real. Or for those of us who are still living, we may know loved ones who have succumbed. For others, still tragic and still real. The death is economic, if not physical. But that's more than about money. The collapse of an economy or of a personal economy has ripple effects that affect all realms of our life. And all of us on some level or, or another have experienced a social death of sorts. And in the midst of all these layers of death that we're experiencing, we cling to any signs of life. My work, our work in this time has been not only to try to connect you virtually to each other as a faith community, but also to provide some content for you daily, sometimes more than once a day, just to give you something to cling to, to hang on to, to regulate your life by. I've been posting a lot, as have my colleagues. But it's funny, I noticed one post probably get more attention than any of the others. More than the morning scripture readings or evening prayers, as important as those may be. It was a post I did two Sundays ago of a mother deer outside our bedroom window having just given birth that day, that morning, to two fawns still cleaning up after herself and cleaning her two baby deer, was able to get a couple of pictures and some video and posted that. And that more than anything else touched people. Something about pulling back and recognizing the larger creation that knows not of our problems. Innocent new life, giving us a sign that life does continue even through and beyond our own tragedies, even unaware of us, except that we are more absent than usual. These innocent, beautiful little bodies, still not in full proportion, not steady on their feet, able just to hobble over to nurse at their mother's breast. These innocent images touch us. I felt similarly when a colleague of mine from a board on which I serve shared an image of his newborn grandson, then unnamed, just called Mr. Baby, sleeping quietly, peacefully wrapped in bands of cloth, with not a hint of awareness of what troubled the older folks in his life. I've been particularly drawn as well in regular hikes or runs to notice the wildflowers coming to life this time of year, and especially the plants and flowers that grow right out of rock faces. Have you seen these? If there's ever an image for resurrection, that's one of them. Perhaps you've seen images like this too that give you some semblance of hope. Well, cling to them, drink them in. They will be like chicken soup for your soul. Allow yourself to be nourished. Chicken soup is good for you when you're ailing, when you're sick. Now, there'll come a time when it won't do 
it's good for you when you're sick, but if you have it three times a day, every day, it will make you sick. And at some point or another, we will be asking ourselves if we're ready for a diet change. What kinds of changes will be in order for us as individuals and as people? I was on a call with a friend the other week. We too served together on a board and we got to talking about this strange new reality. He's a, he's a psychotherapist and so we started to talk about what kind of changes this all-encompassing reality would have in store for us as a society. And of course, neither of us know that answer yet. But one thing he was adamant about, and that was that change would not happen automatically. Oh, sure, we can be altered in our behavior in uh, short stints. But without committing to doing the deep work when this is all over, for better or worse, we'll go back to the same old patterns unless we choose to shift them. I mean, think of a simple example. You've probably noticed that some of the places with the worst air pollution in the world have experienced days of clean air that they haven't in years and years. But because our normal way of being depends on the very things that create pollution, when the shelter-in-place orders are lifted, the old air will come right back. Unless we do the hard work, not the superficial work, but the hard work of making huge adjustments to the way we order our lives, and that will be for every matter. Another way of saying it is resurrection doesn't just happen everywhere around us, sometimes it requires faithfulness, integrity. Sometimes we have to transform for that ultimate transformation to take root. It takes courage to seek that kind of transformation and to submit to that kind of death so that you can experience resurrection. The old ways do have to die. But in order for that to happen, you have to be willing to go there. Mary Magdalene went there. That's what we see in this resurrection appearance, this first woman to see the risen Lord. She went there, not expecting to see a risen Savior, but a dead one. And it was only in that cave that she finds instead an empty grave and something she could only have imagined. A couple of guys come, but they just come and they go, but Mary stays. She lingers in that grief, in that confusion, in that strange moment. And that's when she sees the angels. Nadia Boltz-Weber, a Lutheran pastor and author, says this of Mary Magdalene. She's able to see the angels because she's not unfamiliar of the darkness. Of what we know of Mary Magdalene, we know she has seen darkness. And so perhaps that has equipped her not to run from it this morning, and she stays, and that's when she sees the angels. They ask a question of her. They say, woman, why are you weeping? Boltz Weber used this scripture when she preached at the funeral for Rachel Hilda Evans, a young Christian author who died tragically young a year ago. She said, I have to confess that I hear the question, why are you weeping, as slightly, a slightly passive-aggressive question, as if the angels were implying Mary was overreacting. Get over it. Why are you so emotional? How many of you are used to hearing those questions? Can't you see everything's fine? Stop your crying. But in the wake of Evan's death, Boltzweber says she started to see the question not as an accusation, but as an invitation. In other words, the angels weren't trying to shut her up. They were trying to open her up. They wanted to see what was behind the tears for her. They wanted to know, they wanted to be in relationship. Sometimes what fills our cup 
are tears and only tears, but those tears become a way to connect to the everlasting. And it's in Mary's ability to go there and stay there that a new way is revealed. She doesn't run from her grief. Our culture doesn't support us in being like Mary. It's no coincidence that one of the articles that's making the rounds these days is called, This Discomfort You're Feeling, It's Grief. As if we need someone to point that out to us because we're so unaccustomed to recognizing it and honoring it within ourselves. That discomfort you're feeling, it's grief. But Mary is familiar with grief and standing in it still, that's when she meets the risen Jesus for the first time. She doesn't yet recognize him because he's changed. He's just like this powerful stranger in her midst. Because ultimately, it's not about her ability to see him or her ability to change. It is in that moment and in every moment, ultimately about Christ's ability, Christ's faithfulness. And so it's only when Christ addresses her that she recognizes him for who he is. And perhaps he comes to her first because she stayed. She didn't do as the others did, rushing off to go and do something or tell someone. She stays and she lets Christ find her. And that's our charge this year, to resist the temptation to go and do, even to go and do supposedly good things to stay where you are, because it will save us. Let Christ come to you where you are. As Bill Brown writes, Christ meets with his disciples in their social isolation, a locked room. Such was Christ's first public resurrection appearance, according to John's gospel. Mary's was private. Jesus's first appearance was to people who were being socially distant. Christ will surely find us this Easter, says Brown. Wherever we have isolated ourselves, he's done it before. This poem found me this year when I was looking for something else. It's from a poet named David Wagoner and it's entitled Lost. Stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here, and you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes, listen, it answers. I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, here. The two trees are the same to the raven. No two trees are the same to the raven. No two branches are the same to the wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. By the way, if you'd like, I'll show you what I found standing still these past days. There are the deer. I know the picture is fuzzy. To blow it up more would only make it fuzzier, but if you look, there is mom and the two babes to her right. And there's the human babe born just a week ago, wrapped in bands of cloth, sleeping in peace with no thought of what keeps us up. 
and of plants of new life growing out of rock. Of flowers where flowers should not be. On a stone, the kind that blocked the tomb. And of flowers you placed just a year ago on our cross in worship. In this, I don't know if you can see it, but it's the glove. It was still there when I went back. It was all right. And wouldn't you know, still fits. Amen. Let us make quiet together. And now, Jeff will share a word about our morning offering. It was hard to compose myself after those pictures. Thank you. Um, our Finance Commission, uh, if you don't know what that is, that's a group of people in our church uh, like you who, I guess it's kind of self-explanatory, oversee our finances and make sure that we're staying on track and all that. They asked us to point out a few things for you. Uh, one is when you go to wpctiburon.org slash give, you'll notice there's a drop-down menu. Uh, and when you do that, it you can select whether it would have been money to put in the plate or whether it would have been something that is a part of your pledge. Uh, please do use that. It's a good way for them to make sure we're staying on track or if we're not, how best to adjust things moving forward. So that'd be a great help. And and if you're like some who just said, I don't really understand how to use all that, of course, you can still send uh, your contribution in through the mail. Uh, but we have people just, for instance, this past week, one of our college students helping one of our members figuring out how to use Facebook Live and so forth. So if you would like some help on how to use all the online offerings that we have or digital offerings that we have, please get in touch with us. Uh, there are people looking for something to do that and we need all the little bits of interaction we can have, I think. So that is but one small example of the work of the church that continues to happen uh, even while sheltering in place. Uh, people, because of you, continue to be fed in our community who uh, suffer from hunger. We have uh, our deacons and our staff continue to check in and, and uh, guide people through this. So that all happens because of our, our work together. So we're not passing a plate around, as you can assume, but we are passing around a few options in the comment boxes. Again, wpctiburon.org slash give. You can also text the word give to 415 329-3537. That number is posted here below. And of course, you can also give through the mail. We're very grateful uh, for what you give, whether it's time, prayer, or financial. We are very grateful for that.
I want to echo what Jeff said and simply encourage everyone to continue to stay connected. Though we may be apart physically, we, there are still so many ways to connect with each other over Facebook, over Zoom, pick up the phone, let's talk to each other. It is certainly good to be in community in any way possible. We do have a couple of Zoom gatherings coming this week, uh, Tuesday at 2.30. There'll be a conversation with Rob. He's calling it, What Are You Watching? Maybe we've seen a few more movies and TV shows lately than we usually do, and we just want to talk about uh, some of our favorites that we've seen lately. And then Wednesday at 9.30 is a Bible study uh, with me called Jesus and Women. So if you need the links to either of those, just let us know. Finally, Jeff has organized uh, some of our youth to keep being in touch, not only with all of you, but if you maybe have a family member who you're afraid maybe is getting a little isolated, might like to hear a friendly young person over the phone, um, let Jeff know. He's putting together a list of people that our youth are going to be in touch with over these next couple of weeks. And now I invite you to join with us in our closing hymn. Christ is risen, short horizontal, celebrate this day of days. Christ is risen, hush and wonder, all creation is amazed. Desert was surrounding, sea was spreading, tree has grown, healing leaves of grace abounding, bring a taste of Christ is risen, raise your spirits from the caverns of despair. Walk with gladness in the morning, see what love can do and dare. Drink the wine of resurrection, not a servant but a friend. Jesus is our strong companion, joy and patience. Christ is risen, wave and heaven, nevermore shall be the same. Break the bread of new creation, where the word is still in pain. Tell the grim demonic chorus, Christ is risen, get you gone. God the first and last is with us, sing Friends, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Friends, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.